All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I am extremely humbled, excited, grateful, and honored that we are joined, of course, with our, our great friend of the show at this point. I, I think it's safe to say he's become a great friend, uh, Mr. Dan Winter, a good friend of the Generation Z show. Today, we will be looking at a couple of different things. I have some questions from into, for Mr. Winter myself, but without further ado, Dan, how are you, sir? And the floor is yours. <laughs> uh, we've just been having a fun conversation about how governments are actually becoming conscious potentially and there is hope <laughs> and, and and although i don't really have a prepared lecture this evening you know, somebody even just today asked a very basic question which i think meditatively deserves a conversation and that question was what is astral hygiene <laughs> you know and i think that that conversation is is useful uh, and, you know, uh, do electrical engineers have a definition of what astral or astral hygiene is? Uh, and this is this has practical hygiene uh, instruction, and this also has some electrical insight, perhaps. So um, the term astral, in my view, uh, is another of these rather vague terms used by sometimes New Age woo-woos, but it still has some meaning, which relates to the charge bubble compression effect of your aura and the way a part of that charge bubble is distributed more widely, which we now know is very much uh, indicated by the physics of what's called longitudinal EMF interferometry, where the, remember we talked many times, the compression effect, if you have some bliss experience, or when Jean-Paul, Jean-Charles Moyen, as we measured just before his lucid dreams became a Stargate portal and he was able to bi-locate with witnesses, uh, what happened was his brainwaves became massively coherent phase conjugate cascade from alpha to gamma. And so he literally electrically imploded. It's the physics of bliss, but at higher charge densities and that centripetal force of the moment of of extreme coherence uh, means that the electric field of the aura, the plasma, the, the, the Kesjan body, the rainbow light body, the bubble of charge, your astral body would be one way of talking about it. When that becomes centripetal, then a, more and more of the inertia can emerge from the center point as coherent longitudinal wave, longitudinal interferometry, so-called scalar or torsional. And that longitudinal field, which enables action at a distance, we've said many times, is not just the physics of what gravity waves are, but also the physics of the field effect called heaven planes of Sharon and uh, the, 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 um, the etheric field and uh, the Akashic records and collective unconscious. We have many names for that field. So your ability to participate in that field is limited by the extent to which your aura can get coherent enough to propagate into that longitudinal array. Visualize you're sitting there and you think this Aboriginal shaman is sleeping. And then you notice that the Aboriginal shaman is actually doing something actively and they're steering that magnetic plasma line hundreds of kilometers down the road at a distance with their attention. And that plasma line to them is a family pet. <laughs> so to to that, Dan, if I may, while you were explaining this, I was actually doing a little a little sketch here, if I may. So if this represents the ground and these two bars here represent, say, the Casimir effect, taking two aluminum plates, putting them close together, it's been claimed and observed to your point that there's more, we could say, um, resonant energy confined within the two plates that then 
we could say get to that center point and non-destructively self-implode which emit stronger magnetic wavelengths that then the sun and its electrical light waves we could say hug if you will hence the term electromagnetic so b would represent the mag uh, magnetic flux flow and then e would represent the of course the uh, um the light rays coming from the sun would this be an appropriate diagram the, the b field as it were actually it's very useful because the chasm what you're calling the chasm effect is at one level creating a more perfect still point where okay. the uh, where the electrical compression becomes symmetrical enough that the compression can focus enough on that still point to then participate in a larger longitudinal array basically finding the still point sometimes you know the lasers find the still point in phase conjugate optics at a fairly small narrow optical bandwidth but phase conjugate magnetics we were just talking about earlier which can create propulsion or healing for example it's a it's a longer wave implosive still point the reason the first nuclear device was named implosion you had to create the perfect still point with all the compression waves arriving symmetrically at the same spot at the same time and that implosion would then send a portion of that inertia off into the more coherent uh aligned longitudinal interferometry that is the embedding in the long wave and later we learn more about the physics of why gravity waves are longitudinal emf so and that which fits what we were starting to talk about so now let's bring this back to astral hygiene so when you begin to have a bliss experience or a coherent a lucid dream experience it means that your aura has gotten coherent enough so getting the aura coherent is a pretty good title for the book about astral hygiene actually so so basically the plasma which is the charge bubble of your aura a cocoon you could think of it as cold plasma in the sense that it didn't take heat to create that aura it took right. electrical order implosive electrical order actually Would that be so there's cold fusion as well well yeah the idea of cold fusion is actually alchemic in the sense that if you didn't make implosion the implosion the the fusion ain't cold right right <laughs> the right. physics of alchemy is literally charge implosion right. and the whole work that elizabeth did on uh, you know it can predict the isotope transition frequency and temperature of every uh valuable isotope transition in the whole atomic table that's another st story but it yeah. is the physics of cold fusion the physics of alchemy is literally nothing other than non-destructive charge collapse implosion. which is the the which is the center point which is the still point if that still point has waves arriving with enough symmetry then it can radiate it can implode and that symmetry is key and now let's bring this back to our psychological discussion about astral hygiene so now do you understand why people who are depressed or addicted or alcoholic get holes in their aura because the compression at center is no longer symmetric i they're not the the the, sp the spirals if you will are not locking in there's I did too much LSD and then so then they check with my GDV and there's holes in my aura am I surprised no <laughs> I see okay right recreational drugs are recreational oops if you make one part of the aura more uh you know charge distributed with you know psychoactive materials and you don't end up with long wave symmetry then you have holes in the aura so that's why we've always 
Go ahead. Sorry, right, sorry if, if I may, um, this is a, a terrible sketch, but the idea would be whether it's the chakras of the human body, it's rings, and they must be centered for that non, non-destructive, um, self-implosive, we could say, if you will... Um, Implosive still point. Right. Thank you so much. And so what's essentially happening is if someone is, whether they're not taking care of their shell, their their body, their container, and even their spirit, no meditation or anything like this, what happens is any one of these just go off kilter. They become asymmetric, essentially, which is a simplification, but important to think about. So another practical example is, um, and so then the point of astral hygiene is those holes in the aura are what enable the parasites to get you. <laughs> right. Very simple. You know, if your aura is very symmetric and has a smooth, solid shell, it's very coherent. It's much harder for those parasites to get you. It's very simple. That's why, you know, if there's too many beer drinkers in the bar, you're going to have astral parasites all over the damn place. <laughs> right. I see. Okay. This makes sense. So it's been claimed as well. Um, that and this is this has been publicly uh, stated before on the World Health Organization's website pertaining to extremely low frequencies that these alleged longitudinal waves they um, they coil or hug people's uh, we could say for example say someone standing on the ground they coil or hug the uh, humans if you will which would speak to us being um you could say antennas receivers emitters or maybe all of it combined it, would that speak to keeping a clean hygiene if you will well it, you know remember the old story that you i was standing in, in the bo co-op and i got hot so i took my shoes off and my sweaty feet touched the wooden floor and at that instant the people in front and behind me in line suddenly decided they needed to initiate a conversation with me the reason was because I initiated a conversation with the array <laughs> by, by wet feet touching earth or grounding. And that grounding, the communication mechanism is that longitudinal serpent, literally the, the dragon in the ice castle, to quote the title of the book by my famous friend, David Yarrow. So that's the dragon. <laughs> wow. And if you don't, if you don't embed in that dragon, then you don't communicate with the earth. And it's true that if you, you know, if you're, communicating with the earth in, in an area where there's nothing but pain in the earth grid that can be astral hygiene too but if you have access to some beautiful nature then grounding is beautiful and critical for health as in the book earthing well if i if i one more thing if i may ask dan uh, adding to what we looked at here with the different we could say chakra the node points you name it of the person the idea would be that that perfect center point of, of the uh, self implosion is most ideal for blissful astral hygiene and all of this. Now, in your opinion, and I'm not claiming to know the answer, I'm just speculating. When people see, for example, an outline drawn of some of the uh, of all the rings on either opposing side, to a lot of people that represents the uh, not just the DNA double helix, but the the caduceus, the the serpent, you name it. Would you attribute this the two serpents wrapping around? The center point as benevolent malevolent as the parasites um in your opinion you know i would try obviously the metaphor you describe of the caduceus up your chakras is beautiful because it's been used for thousands of years so obviously that's a useful metaphor i would suggest from a electrical biophysics point of view to nail that down to something very concrete to look at the proven biophysics of kundalini uh, goldenmean.info slash kundalini and in that case we could actually map on the spirals up between the chakras the measured 
low frequency sacrocranial harmonics in the spine liquid pump, which are literally the physics of the mechanism by which the known microwave current going up the sushumna between the phonon component of the spine liquid pump, the known physics of the sacrocranial kundalini. And by the way, if your spine liquid is pumping, it is clinically impossible to be depressed because <laughs> something's arriving at the high brain, basically. So if you look at the physics of kundalini, you get exactly what you're describing. And then you can see when, when you're... First, you're using a 10-second breath right. and very coherent brain waves, and there's more implosion, more and more implosion that spine liquid pump until the point at which it feels like there's a red-hot poker going up your tailbone and out your crown chakra. You know, 30 years, I can talk about this pretty personally, actually, <laughs> of Kundalini. And that what that is, that is the local still point embedding with a longer wave. And are you saying, is that the good guy or the bad guy? Well, hello, it's both. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you for that answer. Because I wanted to ask here, I found a quite interestingly and starkly similar correlation between what's been alleged to be the pineal gland and the way that the, the um, we could say, uh, forgive me, the electric pulses within the brain neurologically uh, tend to constantly be scrambled all over the place, except it's been alleged that when one does kundalini meditation, you name it, what ends up happening if this is a person's face is, to your point, Dan, the electrical charge works its way up to the, the crown chakra there or the pineal gland, if you will. I believe there is a difference, but it sparks just like those cheap uh, Tesla plasma balls you can buy, except when we see those balls with all different um, electro, uh, electrical pulsations all over the place, they, in this particular case in the human mind, they would straighten and lock in. Would that be an appropriate well, you know, as someone who has been regularly toasting my pineal gland for 30 years, I call it the crown chakra meltdown. I can relate pretty personally. And what we can say is, it, per the dis discussion we had earlier, yes. Right. But in, in my case, I feel more momentum here, to be okay. honest. I mean, people who feel above my crown chakra, they feel the tingling. They feel a negative ion wind, actually. And the top of my head has a big bump there, where, which has... Uh, increased. I mean, literally, it's a phonon pressure. And so the top of my head has literally become more pointed. And I have several friends with Kundalini with similar, actually, and we know where that phonon pump compression wave is. And that pineal is actually the high dielectric media within which the phase conjugation is enabled between the phonon cones of the ventricle horns becoming horny, which is actually crystallizing phonon. Uh, of the conserved sexual juices, actually. So this is a focal point for the wow. conjugation. So with that said, this would also be the pine cones kissing as well. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Right. The, right. The, the two liquid ventricle horns, and we measured the phonon frequencies, the ringing in the ears. We measured the ringing. We know the frequency signature of the ringing in the ear of Bliss Kundalini. We know where it comes from. Goldenmean.info slash Kundalini. It's all there. And yes, the, 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 the pineal gland roasts and melts. And I can tell you from personal experience, that yes, now I can walk into a magnetic line cross in church and cross, close my eyes and I can look down the magnetic line like it's a transparent viewing tube. So that does work. And it also enables clear audience and some fun stuff. But I can say also that that implosion, when I lie still on this magnetic line right here, for example, initially it will uh, implode and melt and I will spit out a whole bunch of mucus and my body will become purified because the dielectric will improve. And then the burning will become sharper and sharper, which is beautiful in the sense that it's an organ of perception, but there is a limit condition. 
It uh, tends to stress the mineral to water bonds in the body, tends to result in dehydration, actually, and eventually it can it pretty much toasts your blood sugar after a certain time and you can become a sugar addict pretty easily. And you, there's a lot of nutritional challenges, trace mineral. This it's a pretty, so supporting intense Kundalini has very serious nutritional issues. And that's part of astral hygiene 101 actually. And with that said, Dan, would we be able to make a potential correlation here between um forgive me to the audience i didn't expect to do the visuals you just you're you, you got me going in a good way dan between the kissing of the pine cones on the head here and the magnetic fluxes coming in and out of the head relative to the casimir effect it's the pine cones kissing same idea yes. yes it it basically as the phase conjugation gets more and more broad spectral due to how long wave is the symmetry of that convergence so as longer and longer waves embed to that still point, and that's why we start with a very powerful Schumann cascade infrasound in the flame and sound bliss binaural flameandmind.com, which drives five of our technologies today and a radical new upgrade to the flame and mind bliss sound software is emerging this week, guys. It's incredible. We've got a new Schumann cascade, beautiful stuff. But yes, the low frequency cascade, that infrasound is key and when we add that people feel grounded and they have their bliss experience it's profoundly healing it embeds the schumann you get dna earth grid radio just to, to finish the point earlier in the conversation about is that the good guy or the bad guy that you're feeling you know poke through your spine like it's a like it's a bolt of lightning and i say i say it's both well what i mean is that um you do not want to try sustaining kundalini in a city often actually you need a, a pretty sustainable area of pristine nature in which to make kundalini sustainable because when you're having kundalini you're imploding your environment for better or for worse uh, when when you're having bliss so you know yes if you live in aluminum square block building in the middle of geopath uh you know maybe your bliss experiences experiments should be short because don't try to sustain long-term bliss in the middle of a geopathic zone. You're imploding poison and your body ain't going to do too well. So this if I may, in a visual sense, this is probably not the best thing here, but these are, imagine this going back to our this low frequencies hug the people's ankles, according to the WHO documents. We see here, if these are buildings in a, met, a met, metropolitan city, you are basically pulling all of the energies from the people in those buildings. Yes. And right. in the short term, your bliss will help your environment become less geopathic. However, in the long term, mm. you know, your body's going to have to implode and do all that sorting. So your body ain't going to do too good if you try to do really long term bliss in the middle of bad geopathics. You need to gradually you need to gradually uh, what's called conditioning the space which Keshe uses the word and Joe Sell uses that word. It means the longitudinal array becomes gradually larger and larger in its field of coherence, conditioning the space. And that is the area within which then implosion is possible. Zero point energy, bliss, et cetera, et cetera. So in practical terms, it means, yes, you can use your bliss process to purify a room where an argument happened, and you know you want to do that once in a while but don't expect to be purifying huge geopathic spaces regularly with your own aura until you gain a lot of inertia think of think of the moment when the local villagers when francis of assisi went down to the woods to have his bliss experience 
and they watched from a distance and called the fire department. <laughs> True story. And all they were seeing was plasma. <laughs> and they called the fire department. <laughs> that was bliss in the woods. But that would have never happened in the city. <laughs> Does this Dan have to? Oh my gosh. Okay, so hold on a second. I wanted to, from an optics perspective, face conjugate. Does this potentially speak to curved space time, um, Minkowski space time, in the sense that if I'm looking at a plane from here, it's 2D and it's flat, except the more I get closer to the plane, it becomes more interactable. Say I had a way to get close to it in the sky. Would in, in this would speak to allegedly you have people like um certain individuals stating that when there's angel dust or allegedly sulfuric acid that falls from the craft, it was not sulfuric acid when it was in the vicinity of the craft, it was something else, but it became sulfuric acid after it left that enclosed space time closure. Well, uh, step one, I would say. Uh, the curving of space-time is an unfortunate language which is unhelpful more okay. precisely the greater the gravity in an area of space the more that the spin density will increase when it converges down the vortex cone so i am flying through space and i hear there's a bunch of gravity well einstein called it curving space-time which is a confusing language because remember time is a known only ever a name for spin rate nothing else right okay so what's being curved is the fact that as this torus donut of me is traveling along space and here's a bunch of gravity and i begin to go go down that vortex a portion of the new acceleration down that vortex is translated in vorticity to cause increased spin rate in me a donut <laughs> and i perceive that increased spin rate as an acceleration in time which is only a name for the increased spin density so, so you're you're spinning at a much faster rate what is already all around us in quote-unquote empty space which is not really empty it's it, it, it because the space is it's it's a superfluid ether or media of charge basically so the perceived increase in spin rate which is called increase in time uh aging for example is only a name for the increase in spin rate caused by acceleration down a vortex cone where some of the inertia of the acceleration of the torus has translated in vorticity down the throat of that torus resulting in increased spin rate at the center of that torus like the ice skater pulling in her arms as she's spinning so once you understand the time only names spin rate then nothing is bent no no the the donut moving down the vortex increases increased spin rate named time and so that explains many things but then uh, there was another part of your question um, yes, sorry, I just wanted to see here with this, what you just described, I know this has been commonly, you know, shown all over the place, whether it's Tesla Tower, this or that, whatever, would this be a visual depiction of what you're? Of, well, that was, that was Tesla learning to propagate longitudinal waves, actually. And he did, he had the, 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 the tractor beam, he had a beam technology, it was longitudinal rays, but he didn't have my equation, so he never got the frequencies right. And he didn't understand how the earth grid node cross points where Bruce Cathy measured reduced nuclear critical mass and where Kozirev measured telepathy enabled. Um, those are Dodeki Kosa longitudinal array of the earth grid. And those are the places you got to pick up, put the send and receive points or it ain't efficient. And I'm convinced Tesla didn't understand the nodal array of longitudinal waves creating gravity. So he didn't get the locations right 
for the wireless power to distance and nor did he get the frequency signature right you know 60 cycle was a huge mistake it's not phase conjugate to Planck so there was a few things I'm not, and people say well Dan Winter doesn't like Tesla no wrong I, I Tesla and Einstein made huge genius contributions obviously but yet on my website fractalfield.com vacuum energy there's a very large slide one entitled Tesla's mistakes and one's called Einstein mistakes and they made of course if they made huge contributions they also made some god-awful mistakes <laughs> like Einstein thought the speed of light was a speed limit wrong you know right. he thought action at a distance is spooky wrong <laughs> you know so obviously it doesn't mean we didn't like these guys we respect them but we have to fix their mistakes so if I to to that point Dan I don't mean to be all over the place but you, you um I'm getting really excited discussing this here in the sense of and I fully agree with you which is that nothing goes faster than the speed of light except I think that uh, would you agree that our our soul our chi our prana if you if you will can and I liken this to the example of for example imagine your whole life you've lived inside of a car and you you didn't know you could leave that car you approach a drive through uh, to get some food but the car is too big for the drive through now but you realize at that one moment you can get out of the car and you fit through the drive-through if you walk through it so the car would be reminiscent of our physical body and us getting out of the car to walk through the drive-through would be reminiscent of our soul if you will would, would that be well the metaphor was anything that cannot do implosive compression cannot do acceleration so at the moment of death if you're angry you ain't going to make it to ancestor memory because you couldn't do compression well that, and the same thing is true you can't take you can't take your car with you through the stargate because it doesn't have a dielectric constant that can do implosive compression which is why the guns are going to melt at the time of the rapture <laughs> that's okay so that's the okay i now to that if i may if these are scalar waves hugging the ground and as you as you claim with your with your work and this is a pyramid let's say would the idea be to if i may uh take one or uh, whatever however many is needed of those scalar waves and get them to stay inside of the pyramid and then oscillate like a pendulum bouncing off either side of the pyramid to get and then as it gets closer and closer to the tip of that pine cone if you will uh, or the tip of that uh, squirt gun it by definition like the casimir effect encloses more and more and starts to oscillate quicker and then shoots out would that be well, that that's a pretty good metaphor uh, that would explain in part why all the func functional pyramids are at earth grid dodeki cross or cross point nodes and how then the pyramids were used for global wireless power and why pyramids were called the hummer and that was the subject of our last hour and a half conversation with Sam Osmanovich of the Bosnian pyramids entitled the purpose of pyramids which a film that just went viral so we we sort of had that conversation yes exactly right and the, so the hummer what makes it a hummer is the schumann harmonics are literally phonon infrasound phase conjugate pump wave that's what the phase conjugate pump wave is that enabled the pyramids to implode longitudinal and be a, a global wireless power grid and you're right you had a high dielectric below in the limestone but at the top the capstone was a high piezo <laughs> right for higher frequency conjugation interesting that a lot of the capstones if not all of them have been removed as well yeah and so the the pine cone ain't burning there anymore 
Right. And this would speak as well to the idea of the tuning forks. So you would do the same thing that we just showed here, except at a more a smaller level, and you would get the electromagnetic, we could say, frequencies to resonate within the tuning forks. And wherever you put that fork to, say, a rock, it would literally be like a knife through peanut butter. Well, or am I incorrect? Those tuning forks would get a lot more resonant when placed at a rock in a node of the longitudinal array around the pyramid, not an anti-node. So okay. if you wanted to use the tuning fork as a media for collecting wireless power, you would need a longitudinal node and you'd need a tuning fork tuned to the key signatures of how the pyramid was broadcasting into that array, which is a Schumann cascade extended. Could, um, actually, if I may add to this, if I may ask you, this is actually, oh, well, this is, let's pretend that they're hold, this person's holding it. Um, could a person act as the medium if they're if they're grounded? The scalar waves run through the person while they're holding the forks. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, that's, yeah. The person there has the advantage of being high dielectric. The tuning forks have the extreme disadvantage of being very low dielectric, and therefore, although they'll have one frequency of resonance and you know the metal, but the, the broad spectral resonance is not possible. So the tuning fork is not really quite a good metaphor. Okay. <laughs> for a longitudinal oscillator because uh, the tuning force is very limited spectral and need broad spectral implosion to phase conjugate and pick up charge at a longitudinal node for global wireless power for example uh, which is why a broad spectral piezo phase conjugate crystal array the beam me up scotty the lithium niobate i mean the niobium crystals well that's a phase conjugate crystal that's doing the you know warping the space it's picking up the nodes so what's called bending space the warp factor actually is the fact that you're surfing the longitudinal you're oh you are literally that's okay that would explain the alleged um from 20 years ago 22 years ago the uh the the magnetic flux liner it's literally riding the the scalar wave like a well and, and elizabeth donovan's book uh, glimpses of epiphany almost the whole book is on the kosky frost crystal making gravity 800 times its own weight in gravity with a phase conjugate uh, RF pump wave would be an example uh, of a warp crystal generating. It. So they called it the uh, 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 niobium crystal in uh, in Star Wars, Star Trek. But actually, we think it was actually lithium niobate, which is a phase conjugator. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, forgive me if this seems to be a bit of a, a, a layman question in this regard. But so we've discussed the the concept of the scalar waves and the astral hygiene and all of that. These scalar waves, are they comprised of toroidal geometries? Or I would like to pick your brain a little bit on the toroid field. And if actually first, could we give a, because I've had a lot of new people come to the channel lately, could we give a brief description um, to, at your leisure as to what a toroid field is per se? Well, <laughs> I know that's a, that's a, I know. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's good. If this is a unified field, and I think it is, I think it'd be schizophrenic for anybody to think the field is not unified. <laughs> that yeah. means there's only one substance. It's an infinite compressible media called charge, the ether, and it behaves like a superfluid. And if that's true, then the waves in that media, the only geometry of self-organization possible is toroidal. <laughs> in other words, if, the, if you are a smoker, you cannot make anything but smoke rings. There ain't nothing else. <laughs> Right, right. Okay. And the reason is because you have X, Y, and Z spins superposed. 
and uh, you know, and that's why a toroidal, because you got three perpendicular axes of gyroscopes all working, then as a donut, you cannot be pushed around. <laughs> you're taking the Cartesian plane, if you will, and you're adding essentially X, Y, and Z, you're adding depth to it. Yeah, basically, the only way you can rotate in three ways on a surface, you can't do it on a sphere. You won't find a smoke ring in a sphere. It don't happen. No, no. Smoke rings are donuts for a very specific reason. And right. basically, so that there is, from a point of view of physics, there is nothing but donuts. And in in the vortex into the center of that donut, some calls twister, or wormhole, or string theory. Right. So physics consists of nothing other than the vortex on the surface of donuts. Physics has nothing else to discuss because there is nothing else. Hello. So, so would you say, yeah. a, sorry, please. Well, I was just gonna say, and if you nest nine of those toroids, one above the other, which is how many chakras you got effectively, you, you self-organize the plasma proven at Los Alamos Plasma Institute, Tony Peratt. It's real. That's the nine. <laughs> so would you say, Dan, that in theory or in, in practicality, rather people that keep that say, you know, that look at straight lines and they say, well, a straight line is always the quickest way somewhere. I, I would vehemently disagree with that with respects to could one argue a straight line if zoomed in, whether on a piece of paper, on a screen is a matter of fact, or at least in nature, archetypally just it's essentially a. a conglomerate of rings put together to give the um illusion at a macro scale of a straight line well or, basically nature has to make a helix in order to make a straight line of, of donuts basically which is what dna is and quartz is and ph electrically ph electricity is a name for the long wave coupled to the short in that helix dna or quartz and and so that's a way in which nature makes a line but another way to talk about that is to say that the wave you know, if you're if you're lining up billiard balls and you make them all touch each other, then when you bounce one at one end, the other bounce can go a billion billiard balls down the row very efficiently. So effectively, the straight line is only the shortest path for the wave between the compression nodes. So that's why if they're in the array of nodes, if it's effectively a dodeca array, which we now know is the proven geometry of the masses in the universe, and uh, the reason gravity fields require a golden ratio, because that is the, sh the most efficient charge distribution efficiency. So it is the way nature makes a line. So in other words, when you say a straight line is the most effective way with compressing nodes, say each circle here resembles a node. This is what you mean by like touching, if you will. Yes, but it, it, another way of thinking about this hydrodynamically, and remember, voltage is a name for hydrodynamics and nothing else <laughs> it's a superfluid uh, so electromagnetics is a superfluid so it's all about waves but so the fact that waves always naturally converge in a spiral effectively otherwise the wave is functionally lost so the longer a wave goes straight the more likely it is to get dead unless there's a bigger spiral <laughs> otherwise the inertia is going to be dispersed okay okay i see what you're saying so this would be the idea of a we could say in electrical circuitry and this is where this is your expert area of, of expertise not mine a um for example if i may draw this very quickly a closed loop uh where the number one is compared to an open loop where the number two is well yeah and actually a wave trying to go in a line is trying to make an open loop 
And eventually its inertia is going to dissipate. It's going to get dead. Where if the wave goes in a spiral, eventually can add to its own spin. And that is called immortality. <laughs> so for a wave, it don't want to get dead. <laughs> so it's basically bigger and bigger spirals. And, and that's the way wave inertia is conserved and therefore pattern density and ultimately mindfulness. And there seems um, to be some type of illusion given to us in society, whether deliberate or otherwise, that when we look at something, we are bigger than it and it is smaller than us. But to me, in, in relative to what, right? That speaks to fractality. Are we, are we zooming in or are we larger or are we neither, you know? You know, it's been proven on the logarithmic scale of the universe, the human is exactly halfway logarithmically between the smallest thing we have measured and the largest. <laughs> and uh, but what that essentially means at a deeper level is the fact that if the geometry of what comprises us is self-similar to what is both smaller and larger, then we can embed effectively and gain leverage on. So, for example, when you you know, the clairvoyants saw subatomic particles, the ANU, and they could communicate with them. The fractality enabled that charge connection, that coupling, and that, you know, the, the micro psi perception, the clairvoyance, psi perception of quarks, Phillips, which became occult chemistry, Leadbeater and Besant, they had very detailed interactions with subatomic particles that predicted a lot of modern subatomic physics. It's proven. Well, that was fractality at work. And the same thing when Bentos advanced Kundalini, he saw through the eye of the sun and the earth, and then he drew the metabolism of galaxies. <laughs> that was fractality at work. <laughs> so embeddability is the key to the leverage you have between the small and the large so what if i may ask one final uh one final thing here when we speak on embeddability i'm just going to if i may very quickly use this sheet of paper here this idea that if we have within a system of something for example let's say this idea of embeddability would be sort of like overlaying um if you will in open uh systems pac-man's mouth and this would be the idea of overlaying well, yeah it, but i think if you drew golden spirals of a pentagram within the pentagram it'd be even better metaphor right right like the reason earth's orbital time is golden ratio to venus's orbital time that enables coincidence which is the physics of charge coupling which is the physics and that embeddability enables us to steer very big tornadoes which is what we need to do if we're going to survive the solar wind right now so if, if this if i'm i know this is not the best example but if this were to be earth in the center and there were some superstructure frequencies or something like this of some kind outside of earth the idea would be that if something were to come in you want that embeddability that you speak on in order for it to pass through the other superstructures to get to earth like if you wanted to absorb the spin non-destructively if it's on the path to implosion it will not generate heat on the way and that's the point at which during your kundalini you're saying oh there's lightning going on my tailbone but i'm relaxed and I'm enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying the feeling of lightning going. Well, you know, the moment you have the first hint of fear, you will generate heat <laughs> and that's going to be destructive. Whereas I... as long as you believe the larger body that's going through you like a lightning bolt is love, <laughs> you know, Daniel Brinkley during his two near-death experiences or the movie Powder. <laughs> is this how and why a lot of people with poor astral hygiene tend to have a lot of self-doubt because they allow the leakage of the parasites to come in and reinforce that, that potential belief that or message rather of you're not strong enough or you're not this or that? 
Uh, beautiful that you you bring us back to astral hygiene. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that's actually right on in the sense that, you know, what occurred to me is supposing you, you kind of have a crush and you love somebody, but then you realize the reason they can't accept your love is because they really don't love themselves. <laughs> and, and well, why don't they love themselves? Well, they don't believe that they're perfect enough or they're good enough or they're they, they don't believe that they have pure intention. So all the pure intention that you have in the whole world won't help until they love themselves enough. So they would have to discover the fractal inside themselves to allow them to bed inside you. <laughs> you because know, by definition, they are a unique fractal of the source, which speaks to I, I would argue it, And please tell me if you agree or disagree in this regard that I, I put out on Twitter the other day, just a thought experiment of what we call disagreements perhaps should not be called disagreements, but we could say more spiritually sovereign perspectives. And I'm not saying that to sort of try and be all nice and everything, but the, you know, kumbaya by the fire types. I say that because it speaks to the uniqueness of each individual being different from the other, because that difference is what makes you unique. And it's it potentially what makes you beautiful. I mean, you know, the reason the cells were able, four billion cells were able to get together and make a body is because they could support each other in being very different. Dedifferentiation versus differentiation, the key to the clone, the stem cell. So you in the same sense, make pepperoni out of cheese from <laughs> that type of situation. The pepperoni well, is the pepperoni. You need very specialized cells and you need very specialized humans. So the people have to be able to look inside and see the, the beauty of their own contribution uniquely and relax into the beauty of their being so different. And then at that point, they could accept and receive love. Until that point, if you send love to somebody that even, you know, we said send love to the war. If you send love to someone that it will actually make them angry because they will feel imploded in a way that they're not ready. You know, love is a name for the principle of embeddability ultimately, which is simply compression success. So you try to squeeze someone and, and you know, they're not ready for compression because they can't look inside themselves and see beauty yet. So the only thing you can do is help them look inside themselves and see beauty in themselves first and then later. <laughs> try to hug them <laughs> because they don't understand it or are not willing to be open to attempting to understand it. Yeah. Well, which is to say, you know, it's a lot of those people will not be able to stand silence. You know, it, it, it's typical of young teenagers it, that silence will drive them nuts. They have to have live music or they're going insane because right. they start to hear their own inner voice and they assume that's what's inside them is insanity instead of assuming what's inside them is beauty. Well, you know, right. how do you correct that misperception? So people who can't stand silence generally can't stand to be loved. Now that comes down from a psychological perspective that, and I'm going to bring this back to astral hygiene in a moment that speaks to uh, you could say self-analyzing uh, what saying, okay, I just got into an argument with my partner. What, okay, maybe I may, may be part, partially correct, but if we focus on my, my, the incorrect side, what triggered me to evoke that response? And by, by fixing that, would you agree, Dan, that your, your bioresonant frequencies of your bodies by definition heighten, if you will, in a positive sense? Once you fix that and become more calm and blissful with yourself, therefore your hygiene's more clean? Yes, and it's another way of saying that what we're calling love, even in the sense of Tantra, is 
communing to a still point together right uh implosively. now your aura hungers for that communion because ultimately you feel the whole planet and you'll never feel lonely again if you have that kind of bliss and whether you do with one person or two ain't even important what the point is you do get to the still point and it's sometimes easier with two but it's not necessary with two but if you want to do it with two that means both people have to be comfortable with a still point which means probably both people need to be able to hear the silence <laughs> right well which is sorry kind of a definition of tantra wow well well dan i i think we've been going for about 40 minutes 45 minutes now and it's been a beautiful conversation I, was there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this up or um did, did you want to call it well you know there's so much we could talk about for astral hygiene but i think we've given the flavor here that you know even if someone is depressed in a room and you notice your aura is bleeding into them because they're depressed you can send love before you gently leave them to find their own way. Uh, so you find it in yourself to have compassion and ultimately learn where you can genuinely, genuinely serve someone, then you would stay there. But if there's really no way you can practically serve that person, then there's no point in letting your aura bleed into their depression. <laughs> you know, you render your greatest service and then you gently step back and send them love from a distance. Right. So ultimately, compassion is the ability to bend, but it's also the very practical ability to recognize where is your highest level of service. So I'll, I'll leave you with this thought. When Jasmaheen famously was teaching people how to live without food, you know, when you need access to nature, you need to learn how to breathe. Basically, you're always imploding the charge of your environment. And gradually, your body learns to implode capacitance. And you don't need food. And it is beautiful. It isn't necessary. But it's beautiful. It's a wonderful skill. And but one of the primary techniques she recommended, which is beautiful, was for a major part of your day, in order to be imploding and therefore not need food, you need to believe that you yourself are doing your highest level of possible service inside internal so whatever you believe inside yourself is your highest level of possible service will ultimately be your own path to bliss so if you don't follow that you know follow your bliss so this is why when people say for example i'm going to use a very clumsy example probably but when people say oh do you know ghosts exist or you you know ufos exist or you know even for for crying out loud does santa exist so to speak your belief by definition is that reality yeah well and so if you it, as your belief in what how the most beautiful way you could possibly serve as that evolves and you act on that you get closer and closer to access to your own bliss and that's a source of charge and once you have your own source of bliss no problem with parasites end of astral hygiene lesson thank you very much <laughs> wow well dan thank you so very much um is there anything that you wanted to to bring up as to where uh, you know you could your work could be found or anything like this before we before we go just for people on my side yeah, we just made a new film on the future of electromagnetics, basically negentropy, for the big conference in Detroit this weekend, uh, Buddy James, and uh, that film will be released shortly. And our last film with Elena has been, you know, has, been, has gone viral. It's wonderful on the, uh, the, uh, the meaning of Thoth and Hermes and the Caduceus. So thank you for your interest. And we're preparing all kinds of new fun stuff in our audio implosion software, Flame and Mind. So stay tuned. And thank, thank you, Dave, for being thank, here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you.